Well, hey guys, this is John Garippa, and I want to welcome you to the DHC podcast. This is something new that we're doing, and to be really honest with you, we are not sure how it's going to work, but we do know one thing. You guys are bored, and you're looking for stuff to do, so we figured, what if we could create some content to sort of scratch that itch, so to speak? And so over the course of this quarantine period, we are going to put out a couple of podcasts each week on varying topics. You'll hear from me, you'll hear from Adam Duckworth, you'll hear from Christina Cooper, and if you like what you hear, feel free to share it. Um, if you have things you'd like to hear about, feel free to comment, and if we can make it happen, we'll try. Honestly, I'd like to make this more practical than devotional. I feel like that's sort of what we do here at DHC. So this podcast could be a great way for us to touch on some oh, I don't know, church history or interesting theology, stuff that doesn't necessarily make its way into a sermon, but could be fun or interesting to talk about. But with that being said, let's jump into today. Today, this podcast is called Forced Slowdown. So because of the coronavirus, because of quarantining, we all have more time on our hands and unfortunately, less money. And when this virus goes away, and it will, things will go back to normal, quote unquote, and we'll soon have more money and less time. And it really has me thinking, when were we better off? I mean, for the foreseeable future, life has come to a complete stop. Most people are working at home if they're working at all. Schools are closed. Sports are canceled, or so I'm told. (laughs) Restaurants have all but shut down. The frenetic pace of the American life has, for the time being, come to a screeching halt. And it's making us very uncomfortable. Why? Well, because we have no idea what to do with ourselves. We have no idea what to do with all of this time. You see, prior to the coronavirus, there's one word that describes all of our lives, and that word is hurry. We're all in a hurry. When you ask somebody, like, hey, how you doing? How many times do they respond, you know, I'm good, just busy, right? I'm good, just busy. We just, we jam-pack every minute of our days. If, If we're not at work, we're taking our kids to sports, it's just, it's nonstop. It's go, go, go. We never stop. We never take a break. Then, you know what? Let's add the iPhone into the equation for a moment, okay? You just start talking about the iPhone and life gets even crazier because now your email is constantly with you. Your boss can always find you. You can never escape. Alert after alert, notification after notification, call after call, text after text, it never stops. But let's be honest, right? The iPhone isn't all bad because, you know, you can look at Facebook, you can look at Instagram, you can browse the news, maybe you even play games. I don't know. I mean, that's all fun, right? Isn't it? But did you ever stop to think about what the iPhone is actually doing to our brains and our attention span? I mean, I'm old enough to remember a time when you have to wait in line and be forced to just stare into space or at the back of the person's head in front of you. I mean, I remember a time when you drive your car and the only source of distraction was just trying to find the right CD to play for your friends who are in the back seat. Now, when I'm at a red light, 
within a nanosecond of coming to a complete stop, and let's be honest, probably even before I come to a complete stop, I am reaching for my iPhone because God forbid there's a second in my day when I'm not feeding the beast and keeping myself occupied. That phone is the first thing that I grab in the morning, and it is the last thing that I touch before I go to bed. And I have a feeling I'm not the only one. Let's stay on the iPhone for just a second. Because most of us have one, aside from a few of you who are still having those green texts and we're praying for you, okay? But a recent study found that the average iPhone user touches their phone 2,617 times a day. Not a week, folks, a day. Another study found that just being in the same room as your phone, even if it's turned off, will, quote, Reduce someone's working memory and problem-solving skills. That's scary. I don't know about you, but I actually have a difficult time now just watching TV without simultaneously using my phone. And apparently, I'm not alone. There's a Microsoft researcher named Linda Stone. And she said that, quote, continuous partial attention is our new normal. What is that? Well, You know when you're talking to someone and they are half listening and half texting somebody else? That's partial attention. And we all do it. We may think we're multitasking, but what we're really doing is practicing partial attention. Think for a moment of how many activities you do throughout your day where your iPhone makes a cameo. It's Netflix and phone. It's cooking and phone. Vacation and phone, concert and phone, driving and phone. Let's be honest, it's the bathroom and phone. It's church and phone. Oh, I see you, okay? And based on the smirk on your face, I know you're not reading Ephesians, all right? It's, it's the dinner table and phone. Or how about spending time with your children and phone? Between our phones and our pace of life, Have we ever stopped to ask what this is doing to our souls? Let's get real for a second. How many of you, right? Just think about this for a second. How many of you have a hard time reading the Bible because your mind drifts? How many of you have a hard time praying because your mind drifts? How many of you found yourself saying, you know, God, he's just distant? Well, the truth of scripture is that God is omnipresent, meaning he's everywhere. There is no place that God is not. So what if it's our awareness of God that's the problem? You see, if we lose our capacity to pay attention, particularly paying attention to God, who knows what we'll become. But this coronavirus, I'm starting to think it's the break that no one asked for, but it's the break that we all needed. God has forced us to slow down. God has forced us to reevaluate our time. So my question for you is this, what will you do with all of this extra time? Jesus has a couple of tips for us. Did you ever notice, think back, think about Jesus for a second. Did you ever notice that he would constantly tell people to follow him You know, you read in the Gospels, he would speak to someone or he'd perform a miracle. And then he would say, follow me, inviting them to become a disciple. 
In fact, this invitation to, quote, follow him is really more closely akin to asking someone to become your apprentice. Now, we often take this to mean follow his teachings, and it does mean that. But as his apprentice, it's also an invitation to live as he lived. And we can learn a lot from how Jesus lived. In fact, Jesus had a spiritual practice that could absolutely set us up. Every single one of us could set us up to thrive right in the middle of the chaos of modern society. And because we have a lot more time on our hands right now, it's almost as if God has given you a head start. So what do we see? When you look at the Gospels, time and time again, we see Jesus leaving behind the crowds, leaving behind his disciples, and going into a quiet place. The Greek word used to describe this quiet place is eremos, eremos. And it, and it can mean wilderness, it can mean desert, or simply a quiet place. I like that definition the best. Going to this quiet place, whether it was into the Garden of Gethsemane or up onto a hill overlooking the sea or, or simply just getting away from the crowds was an absolute priority for Jesus. And he would do it on a regular basis. And it was just a time for him to be alone with God and to pray. You read the scriptures and, and you can tell it helped him to stay grounded and centered and in touch with God and himself. That time alone with God allowed him to know exactly what God wanted from him, particularly what he was to say yes to, and more importantly, what he was to say no to. And what's interesting is when you read the Gospel of Luke particularly, what becomes very clear is that the busier Jesus became, the more famous Jesus became, the more people that demanded his attention, the more Jesus withdrew to his quiet place to pray. Now, usually for us, it's the exact opposite. I mean, isn't that true? I mean, when we get too busy, life is hectic, people vying for our attention, the quiet place is the first thing to go rather than our first place to go. Martin Luther, the great Protestant reformer, once said, I have so much to do. I have so much to do, he said, that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. <laughs> I mean, when's the last time you said that? Now, perhaps you're tempted to answer, well, John, look, listen, I'm glad Jesus had time to go away from the craziness of life and pray, but I'm a full-time mom, okay? I don't, I don't have time for that. Or, or John, listen, okay, love you, buddy, but I have a demanding job, okay? It starts early in the morning. I'm usually up by five. I'm out the door. I don't stop all day. I'm home by six. I do not have time to sit quietly and pray. Now, I get all of that, but just remember, Jesus needed time in a quiet place. And based on the Gospels, he needed a lot of quiet time. And you don't think you do? So why do we need quiet time in our daily regimen? Let's talk about this for a second. As we've discussed, our days are filled with hurry and noise. All of these external distractions, if you will. Now, did you ever stop to think about what we're trying to distract ourselves from, you may not have thought it that way. What if, and I'm not saying this is you, but just hypothetically for a moment, what if we are using all of this external noise to drown out our internal noise? Now, what do I mean by internal noise? 
I'm talking about that mental chatter that just never shuts up, that running commentary in our heads on everything, the replaying of a conversation with a friend over and over and over, those shower arguments we all get into. How about our fantasies? I don't just mean like sexual ones. I mean, you know, revenge fantasies, all that stuff. How about our worry? That worry that is just chipping away at our joy and our peace like a hammer. The, the, the obsessing over hypothetical scenarios, the role-playing of, of the future. How about catastrophizing? How about idealizing, dreaming of some perfect life, which in turn poisons our actual ones? You know, it's easy to turn off the external noise. You just, you just hit the power button. It's not so easy to turn off that internal noise. But you already knew that. See, when life gets crazy, when we get burdened by the noise in our own heads, we're tempted to go reach for that glass of wine. We're tempted to go reach for that phone. We're tempted to go reach for Netflix. But Jesus shows us that what we really need is Eremos, quiet time. We need a moment in our day of solitude and silence. A time just for you, just for God. So what would this look like? Now, you might not have a mountainside or an olive grove to hang out in, but I'm sure you've got a comfortable chair in your house. Or maybe it's your bed. Or maybe it's the park down the street, but once a day, you really need to make it a point to just plop yourself down and stop everything. Turn the phone off, tell the family you'll be back in a bit, and just take that deep breath. And then take your time. You certainly have a lot more of it now. So there's no excuses. Maybe take an hour. Maybe, maybe it's 30 minutes. Maybe it's 15 minutes. Only you will know when you've had enough time to decompress from the world and connect with God. Then I would encourage you to take your Bibles out. Ask God, really, honestly, ask God to help you understand what you're reading. And then just start reading. Where, you might ask? That's your choice. Why not start with one of the Gospels? Start with Matthew or Mark or Luke or John. I mean, if Jesus has invited us to follow him, to, to be his apprentice, to live by his teachings, but also to live as though he lived, why don't we read about his life? Check out the Gospels. How long should you read? Well, my answer is always the same when somebody asks me that. Until you've learned something. That could seriously be in one sentence. Maybe it's a chapter. You might just find that you don't even want to stop reading. And when you're done reading, here's what I would encourage you to do. Just close your eyes and pray. Thank God for what he's done in your life and what he's doing in your life. In our current times, you could pray for those who are impacted by coronavirus. And that's pretty much the whole world. I would ask you then to ask God, hey God, would you reveal what's going on in my life? But just get ready, because he's going to show you. And you'll face the good, and you'll face the bad, and you're going to face the ugly in your own hearts. But that's not to make us feel bad. It's to clean out our hearts 
so that we can become the person that God wants us to be, the person that our spouse needs us to be, the person that our kids need us to be, the person our neighbors need us to be. And when your quiet time with God is done, you'll feel refreshed and alive, perhaps for the first time in a long time. You will see life more clearly and you will see God more clearly. Coronavirus has forced each and every single one of us to slow down. Let's use this opportunity to reprioritize the time in our lives. Two weeks ago, we may have said, I can't afford to spend 30 minutes with God a day. My prayer is that when this coronavirus thing is all over, you'll say, I can't afford to not spend 30 minutes a day with God.